Welcome back, friends. Lost Graph here, and it's time for Kirby's Dreamcast, where we cover everything Kirby, from the anime to the games to the manga to everything, including the books. Everything. Today is part three of our Kirby Superstar series, going over every detail about the game that we can find. Right now, we're in the middle of talking about the games themselves and telling the gameplay as a story, doing play-by-play -play of the gameplay we have, and give you just all the information there is about it. And today we're in part three and we're going over Kirby Superstars, The Great Cave Offensive. And the script is huge, that's why it's the only one we're talking about. Why? Because there are 60 treasures, and it's a lot to explain there. Part four is going to be Revenge of Meta Knight and Samurai Kirby. Part five will be Milky Way Wishes, the arena, sound test, the credits, everything else, any lingering facts that we might not have mentioned before, and then my personal thoughts on the game and ranking the game against all the other games up to this point. Then there's going to be a sixth bonus video and podcast episode, which will feature the Kubrick Superstar OST, the entire soundtrack, because wow, this is one of the best soundtracks there is when it comes to Kirby games, because so many of the music here is going to become remixes or other things in the future of Kirby. One thing to mention is if this is your first episode, you should go back to episodes one and two, because that's going to go over everything before this point, and also about the making of the game and the history of HAL up to that point and all that stuff like that. And I do suggest watching the YouTube version because we'll have a lot of visuals to represent a lot of things. And if you want to see the raw gameplay that I'm doing the play-by-play -play on, you can go to Scarf Plays on YouTube to see all that. And one last thing to mention is gotta be Rinyo the 35th, who's on YouTube. They are doing an animation of the Great Cave Offensive, so good timing there. Right now they have a work in progress that you can see on YouTube. My favorite of their works is the 20th anniversary video. It's all in Japanese. And it's just a really good video, and I expect them to do something for the 30th anniversary. They're one of my favorites when it comes to just doing Kirby animation videos with music to it, and I can't wait to see how the finished product of the Great Cave Offensive is. Although it looks like this one's more like a, a full-on just animation kind of comic thing instead. But it should be great when it's done. Now let's over the Great Cave Offensive. Japanese title, Dokutsu Dai Sakusen. Dokutsu meaning cave, Dai meaning big or great, and Sakusen meaning military operation. Yeah, that last one got me. So that's why they called it the Great Cave Offensive. They could have gone with the Great Cave Operation or the Great Cave Campaign or something, but the Great Cave Offensive is what they went with, and it's just such a curious name. Because this game is Kirby going treasure hunting, but that's not really an offensive thing to do. It's more of an adventure, so the Great Cave Adventure would have been better, but that's not what they went with. If anything, it's an accidental adventure too, so very odd. So the pre-render image here from one of the guidebooks is the Fireblock area and the Old Tower area. And it's just very interesting to see it from this angle pre-rendered before it gets put into the game. So on the corkboard, you see Kirby on a rail car with gold with him, and he's got a mining helmet on, and he's on an adventure! And above him, it says the Great Cave Offensive in big dirt letters. It's a level 4 game, and it says, Get through the deadly cave while collecting hidden treasures. Once you get in-game, you get the title and a cool-looking background of a cave with lots of gems and other types of stones in a shadowy darkness. They do a nice gag here eventually, by the way. It's really good. If you wait for the opening video, you'll see Kirby's just walking along. He's going to go have a picnic, and he's got a backpack on and a hat on and everything. But apparently Kirby can't read, because he straight up ignores a sign that has danger on it, and doesn't notice the hole under him, and he falls down the hole. Oh no! And so begins Kirby's adventure in Undertale. So after Kirby falls, the game goes back to the title screen. It'll scroll down, and it'll have Kirby laying on the ground in the foreground with a bandage on his body, to show he took damage from the fall. By the way, Kirby, you can fly! Also, Kirby loses his backpack and hat on the way down, and also according to the Japanese manual, the cave is named Najirute. When you get into the game, it quickly explains in tutorial that there's treasures to collect and shows that they can be hidden in lots of places. One really cool feature about this game is that it's all one big map. No level breaks like in Spring Breeze and Dynablade. So let's get into the story. Sometime after the Gourmet Race, Kirby decides he wants to go on a picnic in a region of Popstar he's never been to before. 
Kirby was too busy being merry, or Kirby can't read because he didn't notice a sign that said danger ahead, Majorute Cave. Kirby then steps over the hole that leads to the cave and falls down the cave. Oh no! Kirby loses his little hat as he plummets, by the way. Eventually, Kirby lands with a bounce. Kirby's out cold for a little bit, and when he wakes up, he sees he's stuck in a hole, and he sees his bag near him. Kirby puts his bag in his stomach and looks around. Kirby sees an opening ahead and figures he should go forward like he always does. As Kirby runs forward, he notices there's a patch of stone under him, while the rest is more stone steps and dirt. How curious! Kirby then continues into the first door he sees. On the other side, he finds himself in the sub-tree area. A forest underground. Wow. And the first person he runs into is... Knuckle Joe! Turns out he likes to come down here to train. Kirby says he fell down here by accident, and he just wants to find the exit. Knuckle Joe says, Sure thing, I'll show you the way out. But first, help me do some training. Kirby nods and runs ahead. Oh yeah, there's something I need to warn you about, Kirby. But before Knuckle Joe can say any more, Kirby opens the chest in front of him and gets a gold medal worth 10,000 G. Then suddenly behind him, a gator appears and moves to attack him. Knuckle Joe moves into action, but Kirby sucks up and swallows the gator first. Knuckle Joe then says, Hey, I'm training here. Also, I was gonna tell everyone to leave you alone, but now that you grab the treasure, everyone's gonna attack you to guard their treasures. Oh well, in for a penny, in for a pounding. May as well as get them all. It'll be good training. Kirby figures sure and puts the gold medal in his mouth and puts it in his picnic bag. By the way, Gator only shows up in this and Ultra and Mass Attack. That is it. Gator is based on Gator from Revenge of the Gator, which was a Game Boy pinball game made by HAL Labs. They improved on that game to eventually make Kirby's Pinball Land, by the way. Also, this Gator was going to be in Kirby's Dream Land too, but they scrapped it for some reason that I don't know. Knowing everyone will attack him to protect their treasures whether he wants them or not, Kirby and Knuckle Joe rampage through the underground forest. Eventually, they find a hidden passage defended by some lovely flowers, and Kirby finds himself in a water reservoir. Deep in it is a chest, and out pops a gold coin worth 1,000 G. It looks like a Koban, which was an ancient Japanese gold coin. Knuckle Joe pops it in Kirby's mouth, and they continue on. Feeling he should defend himself better, Kirby grabs a wandering waddle do and becomes Beam Kirby. Kirby then finds himself doing a bomb block puzzle, and fortunately he figures it out on the first try and gets the treasure. But while Kirby was in the hole doing the puzzle, Knuckle Joe mysteriously disappeared. Kirby grabs the treasure and it's a whip with 6800 G. Now, people think this is a reference to Castlevania, but no, in the Japanese version it's named Indie Whip, clearly showing it's a reference to Indiana Jones. Kirby tries out the whip and he whips it around and thinks, ooh, this might be a fun power in the future, but then puts it away. Kirby then talks to the Waddle-Doo in his belly, and the Waddle-Doo wants to see what everyone else's treasures are, so he decides to help Kirby. Kirby then remembers his training and summons the fighter ability. We haven't talked about that yet. So, though being Kirby Sakurai's general favorite power, fighter and suplex are actually his favorites from Kirby Superstar. Fighter Kirby is able to do different attacks depending on how long you hold the attack button, and it has a shuriken. So if you lightly press, he does a fast attack. If you hold it longer, he does a long attack, which is a pretty cool idea there. And Kirby's hat in this form is a red bandana instead of the blue bandana that Suplex form has, and the power portrait is an angry Kirby powering up a smash punch. Kirby practices his form by doing a couple shurikens on some birdons in the area, by the way, and they probably don't enjoy it very much. Kirby and Waddle Dew then find themselves in a timing situation. He has to press a series of buttons as he runs to get past multiple doors. If Kirby takes too long, he'll have to start over. And Kirby is too slow, but thanks to Waddle Dew, who's able to shoot through walls with beam, they're able to eventually get through the doors, and Kirby opens another chest. This time is the fourth treasure, a crystal ball worth 200,000 G. Wow! Kirby can see his reflection in it, kinda. It's kinda warped. But he's a ball and it's a ball, so it works out. Kirby then does some swimming around and finds the fifth treasure, a lucky cat worth 500 G. He keeps beckoning Kirby, and Kirby keeps thinking he wants to show him something. They spend a full minute doing this. Waddle Dew then grabs the cat and stubs in Kirby's mouth so they can move on. The beckoning cat is a good luck charm for stores in Japan. 
It, it beckons you to go buy things. That, that's what it does. In the next area, Kirby finds himself in a place with lava and weak ash platforms. Waddle Dew looks up and warns Kirby to not jump on the middle platform. His Waddle sense is tingling. Kirby doesn't understand why yet, but he nods and hops over it. Eventually, they find an odd-looking statue and Kirby hits it and something somewhere falls. Kirby runs back and sees a chest on the middle ash platform. Kirby waves nice catch the Waddle Dew, and he opens it up. After slipping and falling into the lava, by the way. The sixth treasure is the Seriyu Sword, worth 145,000 G. It's a reference to Seriyu, which is an azure dragon from Chinese mythology, who represents the season of spring and the eastern direction. So it's the blue dragon, Seriyu, then it's uh, Byaku, the white tiger, Hyunmu, the, uh, the black turtle, and then Jujak, which is the red phoenix. It's from that mythology. So after Kirby gets the treasure, he slips through the lava again, and Waddle Dew looks away in embarrassment. Waddle-Doo helps Kirby find another treasure after getting hungry and needing to go get lunch. Kirby thinks Waddle-Doo and moves on to pick up the 8th treasure, Echigo Candy, worth 8,000 G. Yum yum. Too bad Waddle-Doo left too soon. So I thought this was strawberry candy, but that's Ichigo Candy. Apparently this is a common mistake. Echigo was a name of a place in old Japan that was part of the Nagata Prefecture. And so Kirby wonders, where's the 7th treasure since he got the 8th one? It's missing. Where can he find it? And then a Bronto Bert bonks him in the back of the head, and he loses his fighter ability. After some searching, Kirby finds a Popper Bros. Jr. with a boomerang. Sucking them in and copying them leads to Cutter ability. Looks like Kirby can copy his forms from more than one source. Unfortunately, Kirby's running a bit ragged now, and the lava didn't help. Kirby finally gets knocked out, and someone drags him somewhere. Turns out it was Sir Kibble. He sensed he was needed and tried to get Kirby out. But unfortunately, the surface mysteriously has a boulder covering it. So Kirby sees he'll need to find another way out. So back to the treasure hunt. The pair rampage around until they find the 7th treasure, which was underground near the 8th treasure. By the way, Kirby got beam ability on the way. So the 7th treasure is the Screwball, worth 80,000 G. Now this is a mistake. It should be Screw Attack, which is what it says in the Ultra version. This is, of course, the Screw Attack from Metroid. It allows Samus to do jumping attacks. For those listening, the Screw Attack Ball is a ball with a lightning bolt on it, pretty much. And Kirby wonders what this is and puts it in his bag. After some searching with the help of beam ability shooting through walls, Kirby gets to the ninth treasure, a zebra mask worth 278,000 G. In the Japanese version, it's called the Black Mask. Best guess is that this is based on a zebra's nose, why they named it that, but it was actually meant to be a reference to Phantos, the enemies in Super Mario Bros. 2. Ultra fixes that error. Kirby tries on the mask and jokes, Hey, a Meta Knight! Sir Kibble laughs. The pair then find a save room with a Max and Tomato for them to share. So each area in the cave has a place where Kirby can rest and save his game and there's a big shiny bed in the center. Next, the pair encounter Bonkers. But Kirby's in a hurry, so Kirby destroys the area under him, and he falls for a long, long time. Sir Kibble has another good laugh, and wants to go tell some friends, so he bids Kirby good luck and leaves. Kirby then finds him their friends at Plasma Wisp. They're like living plasma that fight with hands and eyes. They're blue when they hate Kirby, and green when they befriend him. The Plasma Wisp energetically flies around and fires its overflowing energy at enemies. Plasma actually has five energy level blasts, depending on how much energy gets stored up, it goes from a little beam to a big beam or a giant energy ball. And while Plasma Wisp bounces around, Kirby bounces around in a cannon and finds a treasure. Treasure number 10. A star stone worth 82,100 G. And in the Japanese version, it's called a star drip instead. And so we got 10 treasures down, 50 to go. Kirby finds Plasma Wisp's energy infectious and decides to copy a wisp and go Plasma 2. Now it's a high energy rampage. Kirby finds he can actually hold his blocking position and shake in place to store a plasma energy for a big surprise blast. In this form, he has yet another crown. This time, it's a plasma crown, like how ice has a crown and fire has a crown. But he doesn't change color to green for some reason like the other ones do. The power portrait is him charging up a big green ball of energy, 
And by the way, when Plasma Power is at max charge, the energy around Kirby and Wisp can do damage passively, which is pretty cool. Kirby then finds a hole with a star block keeping it closed. Curiously, Kirby breaks it open and then two Gordos come out at him! Fortunately, hurts the Wisp, but Wisp comes through and opens up the chest inside to find the 11th treasure. Yeah, in case you didn't know, Player 2 can open the chest too. And it's a Beast Fang worth 7300G. After some more energetic rampaging, Plasma Wisp tires out and has to sleep, so Kirby finds Samir hanging around and they team up. Samir hopes to never see Mike Kirby again, though, by the way, and that's a reference to Spring Breeze. And by the way, again, I forgot to mention in Spring Breeze that enemy Samirs wear green while allies wear red. And they look like little black mages from Final Fantasy, honestly. But they wear green or red. Kirby sees some strung up platforms and assumes he needs cut ability, but no, it just leads to chickens. Kirby does find a treasure that takes some explosions to reach with Samir's help, though, and this turns out to be the 12th treasure. A bandana worth 1,990G. It's seen as a reference to Fighter Kirby, but in the Japanese version, it's Commando Bandana, so it might be a reference to Rambo, or maybe Contra. Samir is then tragically stolen away by Tack, and Kirby couldn't rescue them in time. On his own, Kirby finds a platform that needs Cutter and finds a treasure underground. The 13th treasure, the Springtime Heart, worth 250,000G. It's of course pink like Kirby. And since I haven't talked about Cutter before, let's do that now. Cutter is still a boomerang attack, but now Kirby has a dive attack with it, and he can also do a pretty cool combo, which is pretty nice if you do it at close range. And the portrait for Cutter is Kirby swinging down a blade. And with that treasure found, a Tack decides to join Kirby. They admire Kirby's avarice. Tack's kind are literally cat burglars, and this Tack has no idea what happened to Samir. Kirby's worried for his little buddy, but trusts his friend will find a way to survive. Kirby then sucks in a different Tack to gain the copy ability, which allows Kirby to copy things without eating them. Tack is also able to copy others, and when Tack blocks, they hide in the background. It's more of an evasion instead of a block, which is pretty nice. Next, Kirby finds a room with three copy essences. They are Jet, Mirror, and Sword. How ominous. Kirby sticks with copy, and he sees why he had powers available to him. Kirby finds a vast cavern of water while walking along a pier. Then Kirby hears the toot-toot of a pipe, and out comes Fatty Whale! Anyone who wants the treasures of this cave need to improve themselves, and so the whale leaps into the air and hits the pier with a big splash. Fatty Whale's a big blue whale with a pipe and wears a sailor outfit. It's kind of cute. The wave pops the pair up and a bunch of blippers and rocks fall on them. Poor blippers. Tacky uses their thief hand to steal the ability of rocks and turns into a fake Rocky. Tacky then jumps on the whale as a rock, while Kirby uses the ability of X-ray vision from his copy ability to dry out the whale. After another big wave, Kirby copies a rock too, and the pair rain down on Fatty Whale over and over again. But he's not done. The whale swims back and jumps at the pier to hit them. This is the first background the foreground attack we see in the game, and it's pretty cool to see it just come at you. It's a very nice effect there. Then the whale does barrel rolls on the pier. Then just as Kirby's about to be crushed, Tack relinquishes their rock ability and steals enough of the whale's health to defeat them. Fatty Whale swims out in the distance to go heal his wounds. Relieved, Kirby and Tack continue forward to find a minecart track. This is how they separate the sections with minecart sections. It's, it's a pretty clever thing to do. So the first area had 13 treasures. Kirby looks at his hull while they ride the minecart and Tack's thief eyes gleam. But Kirby puts the treasure bag back in his mouth before Tack can touch anything. While they were busy with that, they didn't notice they were running over gators, lovely flowers, and grizzos running up the track. By the way, while Kirby is in the trolley, he's Trolley Kirby, and it's really cute. He has a little red hard hat on his head with a flashlight and a pickaxe in his hand while he rides the cart. Kirby then finds himself in the second area, the crystal area. It's all crystally. It's also full of water. As Rock Kirby, he sinks to the bottom and finds a treasure chest immediately. It contains the 14th treasure, a dime worth 10G. Now Kirby can buy 10 penny candies. It was guarded by a sea anemone named Glunk. Kirby also saw them his first time in Dreamland. 
They're green with big eyes and red at their tops, and they shoot water bubble blasts at Kirby. Luckily, they're stationary, so they're easy to dodge. Kirby then digs deeper, since there's no way there's just a dime down here, and he finds the 15th treasure. Glass slippers worth 120,000 G. An obvious Cinderella reference. Rags riches indeed. And Kirby tries them on, and he looks alright in them. After that, Kirby finds a place to sleep and three doors to different areas. Kirby enters the first door on the left, and then finds a switch. It causes a flood! Fortunately, Kirby's a good swimmer, and he navigates his way to a treasure chest. Kirby also encounters a pineapple that throws bombs. Its name is Jungle Bomb, it's a sentient pineapple with a helmet and plants for camouflage. It's a play on the Mach 2 grenade, which was called the Pineapple Grenade, because it's shaped like a pineapple. Some people also like to call it the Forbidden Pineapple. That's my favorite name for it. So the treasure chest Kirby finds is the 16th treasure, and it's a goblet worth 800G. Kirby can drink lots of juice with this. Kirby then finds a switch in the water and sees a hole next to it. Kirby thinks this must be some kind of trick, and he hits the button and jumps up and grabs the chest that magically appears before it falls down the hole. What quick reaction and thinking that Kirby has there. Kirby put a lot of energy into it in time, and after opening it, he finds a saucepan worth 10G. Now Kirby can make soup! Hooray! That's the 17th treasure, by the way. Kirby then finds a bomber and a wall with a switch behind it. Kirby takes some time to think. Then he copies the bomber for crash ability and uses it to open the switch. Tack claps from being impressed. Clever boy. And so Kirby opens up the 18th treasure, Brass Knuckles worth 20,000 G. With this, Kirby can hit really hard in fighter form. Nearby, Tack steals an identity and becomes fake Poppy Rose Jr., and then grabs the next treasure first, an Amber Rose worth 22,100 G. Kirby wonders if he should give it to someone special. At this point, Kirby doesn't have any girlfriends yet, so there's no one to give them to. It was the 19th treasure, by the way. The pair then find a secret wind tunnel and fight the current, but they're not able to get through it. Maybe they needed something else to get in there? So they continue forward and end up running into a Poppy Pro Senior who gets offended when he sees Tack posing as a fake Poppy Pros Junior. Unfortunately for them, Kirby just picked up Crash and it goes very poorly for Poppy Rose Senior. And with their defeat, Kirby finds Poppy Rose Senior's treasure chest and it's the 22nd treasure. Nunchucks! Uh oh, 22nd. Looks like the pair skipped two treasures. Where could they be? So these nunchucks are worth 55,480 G, and in the Japanese version they're called Lee's nunchucks. Definitely a reference to Bruce Lee who was famous for using nunchucks. Kirby then figures the other treasures must be in the wind room and tries again. With fake Poppy Bill Jr.'s help, Kirby gets in and there's two treasures. The 20th and 21st treasures. There are a fish fossil worth 8,250 G and a beast fossil worth 24,220 G. And you know what? If Pokemon was a thing at this point, and it's not going to be a thing for three more years, these would be for sure Kabuto and Omastar's fossils. There's no way they wouldn't be. But Pokemon's going to be three more years. So, missed opportunity there. So with all the treasures collected in this area, Kirby and Tack then go back to the start of this area, and then they go into the middle door to move forward. It immediately leads to an underwater cave! Luckily, Kirby already had his swimming goggles ready from earlier. Kirby then finds a chest at the bottom of the cave, but he can't reach it because the current is pushing too hard, and so he has to find another way around. After swimming through a water maze, Kirby finds himself fighting another current to get to a treasure. But this one's weaker, so Kirby gets up to the chest eventually, revealing the 23rd treasure, a bucket worth 200G! Now, it may not look like much, but this bucket is actually from the Super Famicom game, Mario & Wario. They then find themselves in a land maze, and Kirby decides to take the yo-yo ability from Gim, and Tack takes Capsule J's power of Jet. With yo-yo, Kirby gets a Ness hat, and he has sick yo-yo tricks that hurt enemies all over the place. Kirby even spins on his head like a top! Also, the background of his power portrait is a reference to Earthbound's menu screen, while Kirby wheels a yo-yo. Kirby and Tack try their best to get through a dangerous spike cavern, but it proves too much for Tack, and they leave before things get too dangerous. Kirby then finds and opens the 24th treasure, a green summertime heart worth 250,000 G. Kirby's alone, so he summons the Gimme 8, and thanks to his cool yo-yo moves, 
Gim thinks Kirby is pretty cool and worth following. Since I didn't describe them before, Gim is a little robot thing with big eyes and one big arm that it uses to play with its yo-yo. In Superstar, the arm comes out of its mouth, while in future titles, the arm will be on its side. It also wears a baseball cap and can do breakdance moves. Kirby then hops in the water and finds himself in a rough current and has to dodge a bunch of deadly Gordos. After a lot of turbulent water, Kirby finds the chest he saw at the start, the 25th treasure, a $100 coin worth 10,000 G. Kirby's at first confused, but then he remembers the dime was worth 10 G, which means the $100 coin must be worth 1,000 dimes. So this all makes sense. Did you get it? Did, did you get the joke? <laughs> With all the treasures in the middle area gathered, Kirby ventures into the third door and finds a big pink crystal area. Kirby immediately tears through some breakable rocks and finds a chest with the 27th treasure, a falcon helmet worth 41,000 G. Kirby looks inside the helmet and says, Falcon Punch? Kirby puts it on with curiosity and feels like he really, really wants to drive fast. So Kirby immediately finds a wheelie, a big tire with eyes on the sides that Kirby has been fighting since his first big adventure, and becomes Wheel Kirby. Now he can go fast, but instead of wearing the falcon helmet, Kirby wears a backwards cap for some reason. So Wheel Kirby is a bit limiting. Kirby can just go forward really fast and turn around, and that's about it. I get a feeling Rider Wheelie Kirby exists to make up for that fact. And the power portrait is Kirby happily sitting on some tires. Now the question is, where's Treasure 26? Well, Gim sees a button, presses it, and finds the 26th treasure. An ancient gem which looks like a Magatama worth 68,000 G. Attack nearby sees this and tries to steal it, but steals Gim instead. Kirby rushes and saves Gim. By the way, the Magatamas are mythical gems. In the Japanese version, it is called... Hono no Magatama, which means Magatama of Flame. This makes sense since it's a reg Magatama that they found in the chest. And Kirby then stores it in his stomach bag, and unfortunately the nearby tax didn't notice and steal Gim again. And unfortunately Kirby wasn't able to save him this time. Hopefully Gim is able to take care of himself when the tax find just Gim and no treasure. Kirby then finds a bomb block on the ground, but can't break it himself, so he summons the wheelie he ate. The wheelie was impressed with Kirby's need for speed, and it becomes a motorcycle for Kirby to ride so he can become Wheelie Rider Kirby. With this, Kirby's able to shoot puffs of star smoke in all eight directions, and boom goes the block, and they get to the 28th treasure, a dud worth 30G. Well then, <laughs> despite it not being worth much money, Kirby keeps the dud. Kirby then goes with Wheelie on a rampage that's very fast and furious as they search for more treasures. They completely wreck the place as they go, and they also crash a lot too. Eventually, with the help of Wheelie, Kirby is able to push through a wind tunnel and reach the 29th treasure, a truth mirror worth 500,000G. I'm actually curious if this is the precursor to the Amazing Mirror, though that mirror reflects your dark side, not the truth. Also, of course, looks different. Kirby then discovers a path upwards and finds a room with a Maxim Tomato and copy essences. The copy essences are Fighter, Wing, and Jet. Wheelie, recognizing he might not be effective for what's coming, calls in a friend. Twin B! I mean, Capsule J. Capsule J is 100% a Twin B homage. It's an orb boy who uses jets and has a glass circle face, which is 99% what Twin B is. Kirby decides he wants to fly too and picks up the wing essence. The pair find themselves in a big open crystal cave, nothing too ominous, but then a bunch of classic Mac OS of screens appear. Kirby is very confused. By the way, the music here is the usual boss music, but in 8-bit, which is pretty cool. So there's three screens just to the side of the pair, a message screen, a live screen, and the enemy screen are what these screens are, and this represents an RPG. So the first thing they find, of course, if it's an RPG, is a slime, and it has 83 HP. So here's the play-by-play. -play. Kirby and Jay get to attack first, and they viciously attack the slime, dealing 30 damage. The slime shoots a single star and hits the wing out of Kirby, but he recovers and does 48 damage to the slime. The slime then calls for his gang, but nothing happens, leaving it wide open for Kirby and Jay to defeat. Then a dancing doll shows up with 103 HP. The dancing doll tries to attack, but trips, leaving it open to attack. They deal 30 damage to him. The doll then attacks with a single star, and Kirby blocks it. 
The pair then dealt 42 damage to the doll. The dancing doll starts to cry. Kirby, showing no remorse, slaps the crying doll to 1 HP left. The dancing doll then does a dance and is promptly killed by Kirby and Jay. Lastly, a magician witch appears, and the message bar says witch, but the enemy's bar says magician. <laughs> this is likely a translation error since the Japanese word mahosukai could mean witch when translated. Kirby's team gets first strike and deals 24 damage. The witch fires a series of stars at Kirby, which he blocks. They then take 40 damage from Kirby and Jay charging into them. The witch then tries to retreat, but it fails and they take 5 damage from Kirby's feathers. The witch then casts an ice spell on Kirby, but he blocks that too, leaving them wide open. The pair charge some more and deal 60 damage, killing the witch. Having defeated the enemies, Kirby and Ko are rewarded with 185 experience points, 3 greediness points, 3 tender points, 2 ambition points, 2 courage points, 3 beauty points, and 2 friendship points. And then the windows leave. Kirby's confused, but Jay beeps happily. They then go out the exit. So this boss is called Computer Virus and attacks by summoning RPG monsters. Copy essences also randomly appear on Kirby's turn, and if he grabs one, it ends the turn immediately, and then it goes back to the enemy turn. Most attacks are easy enough to dodge, though some do damage to Kirby even when he blocks. The doll is kind of sad in that all of its moves fail except the single star attack. It can even try to self-destruct, but it'll fail that too. And the Magician has four attacks. It has a main attack that deals three stars, an ice blast spell that deals damage through shield, a fire spell that shoots a stream of fire at Kirby, and a guard spell that makes the Magician flash and they take less damage. That was the retreat cast that we saw in the story, but for some reason there's just translation errors here we're going on with that. And in the future we will see Computer Virus again with new enemies. In the next room, Kirby and Capsule J find themselves in a minecart area. Something I didn't mention last time is that the first minecart area was blue, and the background was a sky with constellations of Kirby and a moon! Apparently those who live down here know who Kirby is, and are maybe making messages to watch out for Kirby. The second minecart area is Yellowstone. During all this, they don't notice the minecart running over Broomhatter, Bounder, and Grizzo. Bounder is a skull-looking little fellow who normally holds onto walls. They've been fighting Kirby since his first big adventure, and this is three of the last Bounders that there are to find in the game, and this is their final stand on the mine tracks as they try to throw stars at Kirby. But they end up getting run over. Broomhatter was just diligently cleaning the tracks, poor Broomhatter, and Grizzo for some reason thought they could 1v1 a minecart and learn the hard way they could not. In the new area, Kirby walks through a door and falls! Calter J uses his jets while Kirby forgets he can fly, with wings or with air. Poor Kirby. Kirby grabs a ledge and discovers a secret entrance into the tower. The pair open up a passage and find a treasure chest. They head towards it, but it's a trap! The pair fall into fire and it hurts. Ouch. Kirby trips and falls back into the fire again as Castle J hops and opens the chest. It contains Tut's Mask, worth 160,000 G, the 37th treasure. Looks like they skipped a bunch of treasures when they went to the secret entrance. By the way, this mask is of course a reference to Tutankhamun, an ancient Egyptian pharaoh who's only famous because their tomb was pretty well preserved. And also because people died after they opened the tomb, because of the old germs in there. Kirby realizes he needs to go back and get other treasures, and Capsule J bids Kirby good luck as it leaves to go refuel. Kirby then runs into and befriends a parasol waddle D in this fire room. Kirby isn't sure why someone would need a parasol here, but eh, a waddle D with a parasol is always good to befriend. They go outside through the secret window and find a maximum tomato to enjoy and a bed to nap on outside. When Kirby wakes up, Parasol Waddle Dee is missing. Kirby worries but moves on. Little did Kirby know, but Waddle Dee went out to get some pancakes for them for breakfast. Poor Kirby's not going to get them pancakes since he left without finding a note from Waddle Dee to that effect. Kirby then went to the tower to try to make friends, but at first, all he found were broom hatters who were way too busy cleaning the place. Then Kirby found Biospark the ninja. Biospark, figuring fighting alongside Kirby would lead to good challenges, decides to join forces with Kirby. Biospark is a shadowy ninja who appears black as an enemy and purple as an ally. 
Like most denizens of Dreamland, he's a short, roundish fellow with feet and arms. He has a headband and two feathers on top of his head. He hides kunai and a sword under his clothing as well. Kirby then found another biospark and copied them. Kirby started saying Nin Nin as he ran around. Each time Kirby said Nin Nin, Biospark died a little more inside. With the ninja ability, Kirby is able to do what Biospark the ninja does. He can cling to walls, slice and dice things, change places with a decoy when attacked, and body slam people for some reason. After some sneaking, Kirby and Biospark make their way to a chest guarded by two Gordos. Biospark definitely figures out how to access the chest safely, and Kirby opens it up, revealing the 30th treasure, a star tiara worth 408,200G. Kirby tries it on, and it looks nice with his ninja outfit. Unfortunately, Kirby took too long doing this and got crushed by the Gordos. Eventually, Kirby escapes them, though, and after some more sneaking, Kirby finds a treasure room that needs a hammer or rock to access. Kirby isn't sure where to get that power and explores some more. After some searching, Biospark tells Kirby someone's following them, and it's Parasol Waddle Dee. With pancakes! Biospark was actually feeling hungry and takes a stack for himself to enjoy while Kirby and Waddle Dee continue on. Biospark doesn't like to fight on a full stomach. Kirby waves Biospark by and says Nin Nin as he leaves. Biospark doesn't let that stop him from enjoying his pancakes. Just barely. <laughs> Parasol Waddle Dee came at a good time. There is a treasure being guarded by Shotsu cannons, and the Parasol can block the cannonballs. This allows Kirby to safely get to the treasure. At least it would if Kirby didn't trip into the cannon and get knocked out. Oops. Waddle Dee grimaces and takes Kirby to safety to rest up. After Kirby recovers, the pair rampage the tower and grab the treasure. It's the 34th treasure, a unicorn's horn worth 80,300 G. Kirby tries on the horn and it looks really silly. They move on and end up fighting Bonkers. Kirby sees a bomb square on the ground and thinks he could make Bonkers fall into the pit like he did before, but Waddle Dee tells him not to. His waddle sense is tingling. Kirby listens but accidentally hits the switch in the fight anyway and Bonkers falls into the pit while the other two jump away. They then find a switch and Kirby learns they needed that bridge to catch the treasure. Oops! Luckily, rooms reset when they leave for some reason, so they leave and come back and get the treasure as Bonkers shows up again. This treasure is the orange Autumn Time Heart, worth 250,000 G, the 35th treasure. Kirby and Waddle Dee then beat Bonkers senseless and Kirby takes his hammer. The pair then charge forward and run to Meta's Knights. Looks like they're doing their guard duty again and unfortunately for them, Kirby broke in! They wore different colors for this job, by the way. They get beaten badly in retreat. Everyone was there except Javelin Knight again, by the way. Waddle Dee starts to feel tired and says he's got to go take a nap. Thankfully, Gim's caught up after escaping from the tax. And luckily, Gim noticed a treasure on the way in and shows Kirby where it is. Gim hits a bomb block with his yo-yo through a wall, and Kirby gets to open the chest, revealing the 36th treasure, a rice bowl worth 50G. Kirby prances happily. Now he has something to hold his rice when he eats. Gim just blinks. Kirby then says he's starting to feel hungry, so Gim decides to go leave and get Kirby some rice. Kirby ventures alone for a while and finds a secret window again, and uses it to get back to the front of the tower so he can use Hammer to open the other room from earlier. In this place, Kirby finds a series of elevators and delves deeper into the cave. Down there, Kirby finds the bonkers he dropped down the pit, and he joins Kirby so he can learn to become stronger and crush Kirby someday. He doesn't tell Kirby that part, of course. Kirby also picks up fire abilities since it's so drafty down there, and Kirby sees two doors and goes in the bottom door and finds a treasure chest being guarded by water, gordos, and lovelies, and somehow easily gets to it. Bonkers was angrily impressed. The treasure was the 33rd treasure, a warrior shield worth 50,000 G. It's a shield with a star on it, and Kirby thinks it's perfect for him as he stores it. Unfortunately, exiting doesn't go as smoothly, and Kirby and Bonkers both get horribly knocked out by the defenses. Thankfully, Waddle Dee catches up and drags Kirby to safety, and they continue forward through the tower since Kirby doesn't want to go back down there after what just happened. As they go forward, Kirby excitedly finds a walkie to become Mike Kirby. Parasol Waddle Dee instantly runs for his life. Kirby then convinces a Rocky nearby to join in so they can rock out together. Rocky's down and they roll on. They then find a windy tunnel full of sleep copy essences and a treasure chest. 
Kirby tries his best to get through, but accidentally hits one and falls asleep. How cute. Thankfully, the essences have no effect on Rocky, and he helps Kirby get through. In the chest is the 38th treasure, a Mr. Saturn worth 120,000 G. The Mr. Saturn looks at Kirby, and Kirby looks back. Rocky stares at both of them. After a long silence, Kirby sucks up Mr. Saturn to keep him safe until he gets him out of there. Yes, Kirby hits more sleep essences on the way out. And after more tower climbing, Kirby finds another walkie. Woohoo! Kirby then finds another treasure chest as they climb, and it's the 39th treasure, a suit of armor worth 212,000 G. Kirby can't wait to try this on later. After more climbing, Kirby finds a room that quickly slides and makes it hard to get the treasure. After some tries, Rocky gets it, and the 41st treasure, a mannequin worth 3,000 G. But Kirby messes up and doesn't leave in time, and they have nowhere to go. As they get crushed, the room shows a skull icon the hammer home this is a bad place to be. Luckily, Rocky isn't so easily crushed and busts them out of the tower. But now they're back at the start of the tower again, so Kirby decides they'll go down the elevator since Rocky can get them through the entrance. Down there, Kirby gets fire again and goes to the top door, which leads to a fight with Jukid. Jukid is a weird-looking fellow. He's a pink dude with a yellow mohawk. He has the same feet as many other characters, but his hands are able to float apart from him and he wears a jujitsu gi. He does mostly grappling attacks and can also shoot a star blast at Kirby. By the way, he will show up in the anime. This is Kirby's first time meeting Jukid. He waves high, but Jukid isn't interested in niceties, and he just wants to test himself against Kirby. So Jukid gets his hand on Kirby and slams the fire out of Kirby while Rocky slams down on him. With Rocky pinning him down, Kirby uses the star from his firepower to knock out Jukid and copy their power to become... Suplex Kirby! Oh no! Suplex Kirby is back and he can't wait to flex on people. Kirby's rewarded with a treasure for defeating Jukid and it is the 31st treasure. A green turtle shell, worth 800G. Kirby thinks maybe he can surf with it. It's definitely a reference to the Koopa Troopa shell, by the way, that's why I made the surfing joke. Kirby then found why the Burn and Leos were hanging around here. There's a fuse underwater, and only they can create fire while swimming. So Kirby went back and enlisted the aid of a Burn and Leo. Rocky wanted to take a break anyway. There were two Burn and Leos, one wanted help to shake things up, the other didn't. That one got body slammed. The pair then end up in a rematch with Jukid, Kirby vs. Jukid round 2, but this time Kirby had the spirit of the slam inside him, and Kirby gave them a one-way ticket to Suplex City. That is a tongue twister. Suplex City. Then with Leo's help, Kirby loaded into a cannon and became Cannon Kirby, which is Kirby with a hard hat and a cannon and off he blew, into the adjacent room to open the 32nd treasure, a sword worth 325,000 G. Kirby waves it around and feels he'll need this for some reason someday. So after a bunch of running around back up the tower, with Kirby going on a pile driving rampage, eventually Bryn and Leo can't handle the hysteria of Kirby mania and tags in Parasol Waddle Dee to help out, who is fine with this since it's at least not Mike Kirby. Of course, Waddle Dee's making sure to knock out every walkie he sees on the way. Near the top of the tower, they find a room opposite of the crushing room, and it's full of some mirrors. How curious. Kirby, of course, breaks them to pieces since he's come to slam. But then he finds a secret area and has some trouble figuring out how to open it up. Kirby then finds a room with plasma essence. Kirby relinquishes his champion's title to go plasma, and Waddle Dee takes the title and tags in a plasma wisp to help Kirby. With wisp help, they get through and find a destructible bridge to another part of the tower, which holds the 42nd treasure. A golden crown worth 528,000 G. It's called the Queen's Crown in the Japanese version. Kirby tries it on, it's a bit heavy and squeezes Kirby, so he puts it in his sack where it's somehow lighter. Continuing up the tower, they find a treasure chest that needs Cutter and Rock ability to get to, but Kirby can't find Cutter anywhere at the moment. With nowhere to get the Cutter ability at the moment, Kirby leaves the side tower through a secret exit and goes back to the room to nap. By the way, I'll mention this now, the tower roofs can be stood on in Superstar, but they can't be stood on in Ultra, it's just a random thing that they changed. So Kirby makes the climb right back up the tower again as he searches and he re remembers there's a door he ignored on his climb up the tower. This door leads to a room full of stars, springs, and traps. 
After enough springing around, Kirby gets to the 40th treasure, a treasure box inside a treasure chest. Huh. It's worth 100,000 G. Wow. Kirby then stuffs all the treasures into this box and puts that into a sack. It took a little bit of managing. Kirby then makes his way continuing the cross ground he's already crossed and remembers there's a wing essence in the plasma essence room. After a lot of shuffling around powers and tagging in and tagging out friends, Kirby eventually gets back to that treasure chest from earlier with the wing ability and a rocky backing him up. Kirby then gets through this tricky entrance to get into a well-guarded room, protected by Gordos and a laser ball, which is an orange ball with eyes that shoots lasers. Very straightforward. Kirby hasn't seen one of these since his first big adventure, and they gave him laser power. This time they give Beam. After unsuccessfully dodging lasers and Gordos, Kirby gets to the treasure. It's the 43rd treasure, a king's cape worth 508,000 G. This is, of course, King Dedede's cape. Kirby tries it on. How regal. Now, Kirby can't wait to wear this and the tiara to kind of look like King Dedede at King Dedede. I guess this explains why all the security is here, though. It was probably his. Also, Samir was trapped there for some reason, so Kirby rescues them and they join in his cause. Kirby then runs back to where he got the wing essence. Kirby knows there must be something important on the other side of here. And by the way, the essences in this room are Ninja, Wing, and Plasma. So Kirby and Samira go in and face nothing. Oh wait, there's something. It's just moving while blended into the background. It's a chameleon! The name is Chameleo Arm. Gamelio in Japanese. And they will not let Kirby touch any more treasures. They look like a chameleon with the big eyes and color changing, and they have horns on the back of their head. Sharp scales along their spines, and two sharp hook talon feet. Since it's a chameleon, it changes colors of various kinds and sneaks around. It immediately lets out its long tongue and sucks in Samira and spits them out. Camellio also hangs on the walls and spits out colored balls and stretches out its long hooked talons to harm Kirby and Samira. Eventually, Camellio blends in with the background and Kirby can't see them as they run both him and Samira over. Kirby is defeated, but then he gets back up and says he didn't hear no bell and they immediately have round two. 1v1, Kirby's gonna win this time. After some movement, Camellio spits out colored balls again and Kirby sucks one up with the intention to spit it back at them. But Kirby senses he could do something with this and becomes Paint Kirby. And with the power of paint, Kirby paints the entire room in a rainbow of colors. This covers Camellio in a coat of yellow and makes them difficult to blend in now. Camellio continues their attack and tries to spit colors at Kirby again, but it's the same result. This time Kirby covers them in blue paint, but Camellio doesn't give up and overcomes the paint to blend in again. In their blended state, Camellio spits paintballs at Kirby again, and this time it hurts Kirby. But Kirby's also able to suck up more paint and he splashes the entire room. This leaves Camellio defeated and they need to go take a bath to wash off all this paint. Chameleon is a source of the rare paint ability, and there's only one other source you'll see them soon in the next game. He has six colors in Superstar, which are green, yellow, pink, orange, red, and purple, and will have 14 in Ultra. This is also the only game where Kirby encounters them, by the way. Also, one more thing is, Paint Kirby's power portrait is him with a backwards cap hat on, and he's just waving paint around, that's it. Also, the hat is the backwards cap. This power is exclusive to Kirby Superstar and Ultra, Artist Kirby is different. With Camellio Arm defeated, Kirby continues forward to a room full of cannons. Burn and Leo catches up and joins up with Kirby for the blasting fun. Turns out Burn and Leo joining Kirby was serendipitous as Kirby finds himself in a dark room with candles. Burn and Leo lights the candles and Kirby finds a secret door, and the door leads to outside where a treasure chest lay containing a sun ring worth 800,000 G. The 45th treasure, by the way. Kirby tries it on and he's like, Look, I have the sun in my hands, boyo! Burn and Leo just blinks and flips his hair. <laughs> From there, they continue to climb to the top and fall off the tower. Oh no! Except Kirby remembers he can fly this time and conveniently has Jet at the moment. Kirby climbs back in through a window and makes his way through yet another part of the tower he hadn't climbed yet, and likely where the 44th treasure was, in the opposite area of where the Sun Ring was. Kirby runs into Sir Kibble who wants to show Kirby how he's improved, 
So Bern and Leo flips his hair and leaves to take a nap. Together, Kirby and Sir Kibble race a button-locked door to get to a secret room. It took many, many tries. It's really fast. Finally, they got to the 44th treasure chest on an outside ledge like the 45th. This treasure is a model ship with a moon for a sail, obviously meant to be the opposite of the sun ring. It's worth 800,000 G. Kirby tells Sir Kibble he's over the moon with excitement. Sir Kibble just blinks and then gives Kirby a thumbs up. With the boat collected, Kirby is confident he got all the treasures and falls out of the tower to the bottom and takes a nap. Sir Kibble goes off the train more while Kirby sleeps. So interesting fact, aside from 100% in the game, the tower is completely optional, and thus Camellio Arm is also an optional boss too. All other bosses must be beaten to move on except Camellio Arm. So the last thing to mention about the tall tower that I didn't mention before was the hieroglyphics, and I didn't catch this until later. The hieroglyphics, they kind of look like uh, dark matter, don't they? They really do. It's like a, a ball with an eye. And you're like, oh dang, that does kind of look like dark matter. It kind of looks like the dark swordsman to some people. To push on that, in Ultra, those hieroglyphics were replaced with more thought out hieroglyphics that look like Zero Two. There's also hieroglyphics deeper into this tall tower that people think looks like King Dedede and looks like Kirby. And you could argue that for sure. Maybe it could be those guys. Theory crafting, maybe it is those things. So an ancient race knew about dark matter and about Kirby and King Dedede. After a nice nap, Kirby finds a door next to the tower and enters it to find another minecart area. This time, Purple Stone. Kirby rides the trolley cart alone and reviews all the treasures he's found so far. It's a lot. While this happens, he unwittingly runs over more Grizzos, Broomhatters, and Twizzies. And so Kirby arrives at the fourth and final area, the garden area. It does feel like a garden with columns and architecture everywhere. Kirby then sees a curious button and presses it and gets ambushed. A bunch of birds and a broomhatter come out and attack Kirby. Fortunately, one of them is Birdon and they remember Kirby and team up with him instead. Birdon then relays that there was a curious chest in their hole and Kirby goes in to find the 45th treasure, a Grey Wintertime heart, worth 250,000 G, surrounded by more birds and a broomhatter. Kirby quickly grabs it and then rampages in the cage with Birdon. Feeling a bit guilty about that, Birdon stays behind to tend to the birds they just beat up. Capsule J was conveniently flying by and spies Kirby and joins him. They then find themselves in a wind tunnel protecting a treasure. Kirby gets a jet power and the two of them keep jetting until they get through the wind. The treasure they find is the 47th one, a katana worth 990,000 G, almost a million G. It's really sharp and Kirby figures he can get a lot of use out of this, and very, very carefully puts it in his stomach. By the way, the katana is the most valuable item Kirby finds in the game, nothing breaks one mil. They then find a pretty castle with four doors. The first door leads to a bed and Kirby takes a quick nap with Capsule J. Then the pair go through the leftmost door. There's pretty gardens and fountains and window panes everywhere. Kirby and Jay then find a series of cannons and switches. The first cannon proves to be more dangerous than the others, but eventually Kirby finds the middle one helpful and makes his way to the 49th treasure. An Xmas tree worth 40,000 G. Kirby can't wait to use this in December, but wait, 49th? That means Kirby missed one, so Kirby backtracks. By the way, Xmas tree? So here's an interesting thing. I'm just gonna give you a quick Christ lesson here. Xmas actually was the correct spelling before Christmas. The X meant cross. Crossmas. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Bet you didn't think you were going to hear a Christian fact in a uh, Kirby podcast, but then again, Kirby is Christian after all, so. Kirby sees he missed a clue on the bridge to the cannons where there was a single waterfall. Kirby uses that area to go down to find a treasure in a pool. The 48th treasure, a charm worth 8,000 G. The charm is an unk, and Kirby wonders if this will work on ghosts. Kirby and Jay then use the last cannon to fly up into the clouds to search for more treasures. Kirby finds doors hidden inside the clouds and sees a clue to how to penetrate them. The clouds are painted with stars, and that those stars are where Kirby can enter the clouds with him and his friends. 
Up in the clouds, Birdon catches up. He's mended all his friends and he wants to rejoin the team. So Captain J falls out of the clouds to go refuel and waves by. Kirby and Birdon then find a treasure guarded by two Gordos and nearly get crushed. But fortunately, they get the 50th treasure. Kellogg's Barrel worth 1500 G. That's right, Donkey Kong's Barrel got here somehow. By the way, this is a huge cave. How are there clouds in an underground cave? Just realized that. Kirby fortunately never wonders about this mystery because what would he just, I don't know, he wouldn't figure it out, he's a little baby. Nearby, Kirby enters another cloud and finds the 51st treasure, Ramia's scale worth 12,800 G. This is of course a mistranslation, it should be Lamia's scale, which is a snake lady. The scale was in a very dangerous room that Kirby somehow got through, it had spikes everywhere. Unfortunately, like last time, once Kirby got the treasure, he failed the exit and got carried to safety by Birdon. Kirby then woke up outside and then continued on their treasure hunt in the underground clouds. Birdon did get tired though and tagged in Plasmawisp who was hanging out there too. Kirby then finds another hidden cloud room that reminded him a bit of Green Greens and found the 52nd treasure, Shiny Bamboo, worth 600,000 G. Kirby thinks he could make Shiny Bamboo shoot soup with this, and that's gonna be yummy. This bamboo is a reference to the Japanese tale of the bamboo cutter, which is a folktale about a man finding a baby princess named Kaguya in a glowing bamboo stalk. In yet another hidden cloud room, Kirby finds a track for racing and finds Wheelie here. Wheelie needs Kirby's riding skills to help him through, and so they team up. After a practice run, the pair hit the switch and beat a door coming down to the exit, and get the 53rd treasure, a tire, worth 1,100G. It's a cart tire in the Japanese version, clearly telling you it's a reference to Mario Kart, I don't know why they didn't keep that in the US version. Wheelie thanks Kirby for his help and moves on. Kirby then finds and teams up with Parasol Model D, and they find themselves in a room full of falling stars. Thankfully, they both have parasols, so they're protected by the star rain, while Kirby grabs the 54th treasure, a spirit charm worth 78,500 G. Kirby thinks it sparkles pretty nice among the stars. Waddle D wanyas and nods. After fully searching the clouds, Kirby and Waddle D find a warp star and travel back to the four doors. With the left door done, they move on to the right door. This leads to a series of cannons, and Kirby has a hard time aiming correctly and hits a lot of walls. A lot of walls. But eventually, Kirby blasts himself at a treasure chest and opens it up, revealing the 55th treasure. A Pegasus Wing! With 42,800 G. Kirby tickles Waddle Dee with it and then puts it away. This is one of the three sacred treasures in Kid Icarus, a game franchise Sakurai will try to revive in the future. And arguably, you know, he did get new fans to it, but, you know, not everyone was a fan of the game. Lots more cannons and wall crashes later, Kirby eventually gets out of that death trap and into a deeper part of the cave to take on Bugsy. The fight is intense, but eventually the pair defeat Bugsy. But Waddle Dee is too tired to move on and convinces Bugsy to aid Kirby in his stead for a while. Kirby then opens up the treasure chest Bugsy was guarding, the 56th treasure, a raccoon doll worth 8,150G, most likely a reference to a tanuki, which is a shape-shifting raccoon. Some say it's a reference to Pawn from Kirby's Dreamland 3, but probably not because that game hasn't come out yet, though Pawn is a raccoon. Kirby thinks the raccoon is cute while Bugsy grudgingly agrees and then suplexes everything in sight since Kirby now has Bugsy's treasure. Bugsy and Kirby then swim in some pools that search for treasures and eventually find a hidden treasure in a pool. By the way, getting this treasure is horrible. In order to get it, you have to open up a cage that contains a bomber, Sir Kibble, a Gordo, a Squishy, and a Grizzo. Three of these things cannot swim. So Kirby is faced with a moral dilemma. Except he isn't because Kirby has no concept of consequences of this moral dilemma and opens the cage. This leads to exactly what you expect. Kirby doesn't realize the consequences of the dead bodies in the pool and opens up the chest. In the chest is the 57th treasure, a shell whistle worth 82,000 G. Kirby blows into it and it makes a big horn sound. Kirby giggles. Bugsy winces. <laughs> the pair swim forward and Kirby finds a puzzle similar to a time earlier in the Great Cave, a switch behind a door with a bomber. 
Kirby does the same trick and moves on. Waddle Dee also rejoins Kirby after Bugsy can't take the carnage he's seen and done in the short time there. Past the door is also the 58th treasure, an Ori Hulkin worth 512,000 G. Obviously a mistranslation for Ori Chulkum, which gets corrected in Ultra. But this isn't the only game that does it, by the way. This error is also seen in many RPGs, like Golden Sun and Final Fantasy VIII. Oral Chulkum is a mythical stone of Atlantis that is incredibly hard and valuable. So if Kirby ever has an RPG game someday, Kirby's ready with this treasure. Waldo D thinks it's pretty. The pair then grab onto a warp star at the end of the pools and end up back at the start. Kirby and Waldo D then enter the last door they enter, the middle door. Here they find a series of platforms held up by a rope. So Kirby copies a nearby Sir Kibble to get cutter ability and takes a guess at which platforms to cut. Obviously some will lead to trouble. And actually, yeah, if you cut the wrong ones, you'll cover a treasure and have to come back and do it again. Fortunately, Kirby picks the right one and gets the 59th treasure, a platinum ring worth 40,000 G. Waddle D thinks that's pretty too. After more fighting and searching, the pair end up in a room full of springs and gims. It takes some time, but Kirby eventually gets down this place. Kirby then finds a door, but also a deeper pit guarded by Noddies. Noddies are denizens of Popstar that like to sleep a lot, so much that if Kirby eats them, he gets really sleepy too. Even has a green sleeping cap, like their pink sleeping cap. But after getting through them, Kirby finds the sickliest treasure and. Ba-na-na-na! It contains the Triforce! Worth 800,000 G. That's right, the Triforce, that super important thing in The Legend of Zelda, is just right here, and Kirby now has it. And it's not even the most expensive thing Kirby has found. It was the sweet katana he found earlier. Isn't that a trip? Kirby then takes a bite of the Triforce of power and thinks, Ew, this doesn't taste good. Just another tasteless trinket and tosses it onto the pile of the others. With all treasures found, all Kirby has left to do is escape the cave. Kirby now holds 9,999,990 G worth of treasures, and Kirby hopes in his heart of hearts that it's enough to buy him a slice of cakey. Yeah, that's a joke we went with, that he just doesn't understand money. Kirby then finds a room with copy essences, telling him an important fight is incoming. The essences are Bomb, Ice, and Parasol. Kirby, of course, gets a Parasol to match Waddle Dee's, and the pair psych themselves up and march into the boss room. Kirby and Waddle Dee walk in, and it's just a big dark room. Kirby looks at Waddle Dee and he just shrugs. But then, out of the darkness comes a really unfortunate looking enemy in the background. He tells Kirby his name is Wham Bam Rock, and it's time to rock! Quick facts before we start this fight. In the Japanese version, they're named Majin Wamu Bamu Raku. Majin means wizard sorcerer, so this is a magical being. They have big yellow eyes, big red lips, hoop earrings, and a green gem on their forehead and green leaf hair. They also have two big stone hands. This boss gets remade differently in Ultra, and it's believed that it is because it looks like Blackface. And yeah, it looks like Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball. It does not look great. So as Wham Bam Rock says it's time to rock, it slams a stone fist down at Kirby, which he definitely dodges. Wham Bam Rock's face is too far away to strike, but his hands are close enough since he has to use them for combat, so they batter them away with their parasols. Wham Bam first strikes down at them with its fists, and then after that fails, they snap their fingers and make it rain stone down upon them. Conveniently, the parasols treat the stone rain just like regular rain. Getting more agitated, Wham Bam tries to grab the pair, but they're too fast. Wham Bam then throws a fist out and knocks Waddle Dee hard, destroying their parasol. Kirby picks up his wounded friend and hands him his parasol. Kirby's going normal mode now. Unfortunately, Wham Bam isn't done yet and walks their hand up and flicks Waddle Dee against the wall. This is proving tough, even more so as Wham Bam grabs Kirby and crushes him in its grip. Luckily, Kirby is squishy and didn't hurt too much. The fight rages on and Waddle Dee takes another punch and barely holds on. Then Wham Bam makes it rain again and Kirby sucks up a stone and becomes Stone Kirby. Wham Bam gasps with surprise before going back to the attack. Wham Bam tries to crush Kirby, but Stone Kirby can't be crushed, and with them distracted, Waddle Dee is able to attack freely. But it still isn't enough. Kirby and Waddle Dee are taken to their limits. The next attack could be doomed for anyone. 
Kirby Exhausted is wide open for attack and Wham Bam slams down, but Waddle Dee hits their hand in time and it explodes, completely freaking out Wham Bam, who falls apart too. After a lot of Exhausted huffing and puffing to catch their breath, their pair hobble forward. They then find a redstone minecart area and a Maxim Tomato. Kirby happily gobbles it up and shares it with Waddle Dee and they feel better. They then take inventory of all the treasures Kirby found while the minecart climbs up and up and up, and it also runs over Crocs and Broom Hatters while they're busy. They then take a series of elevators up and Kirby finds a bomb square above his head. He hits it and finds himself back where he started, but this time there's a warp star waiting for him. It looks like the residents of the Great Cave of Majorute want Kirby to leave already and Kirby happily obliges. Waddle Dee waves by and Kirby flies up and up and up and up, eventually breaking the rocks over the entrance and Kirby flies home, weighed down by lots and lots of treasure. I wonder which ones he'll keep and which ones he'll sell. After this, we get the credits where Kirby flies home while the game scrolls through all the treasures you've got and how much each is worth. If you don't get a single treasure, the game will say, you didn't even find a single treasure. And the credits end instantly. If you don't get all 60 treasures, you just end after you see all you did get. But if you get all 60, you're treated with an image of Kirby sitting in lots of treasures and the words congratulations on the bottom. Blast facts to mention I didn't say earlier, the music for the game Save Rooms is a remix of Float Islands and Kirby's Dreamland which will show up again in Smash Melee for All-Star Mode, which is a lot like Arena. The music for the Minecart area is a remix of Stage 2 of Vegetable Valley from Kirby's Adventure, and of course Ram Bam Rock is obviously the progenitor of the Master Hand boss fight from Smash Brothers. Quite a few Master Hand's attacks were here, also of course you have the fact Master Hand has been in Kirby's games since the very beginning with Kirby's Dreamland being its first appearance. Always in game-over screens, by the way. Of course he was never known as Master Hand until Smash Brothers, though. Oh yeah, one more fact since we used Parasol in the final fight. The Parasol Drill Attack, in contrast with future games where Kirby can perform the move, lacks invisibility frames. So this move is pretty impractical against bosses in Kirby Superstar since it inevitably will lead to contact damage for Kirby, unless the attack just goes at the very end of the dash. While as in other games, Kirby will be immune. It makes the ability's already low damage output even lower, forcing Kirby to rely more on circus throws that really cause some damage. One more thing we should mention about the Great Cave Offensive is Legacy. This game got its own stage in Super Smash Bros. and is also featured in Let's Find Kirby, the Where's Waldo Kirby book. Someday we'll have a podcast episode on that book, by the way. Lastly, personal thoughts, The Great Cave Offensive has some of my favorite music from the game, only second to an upcoming game. This game had a great sense of depth and grandeur. Trying to find all the hidden treasures was a fun novelty, and the fact so many of them were Nintendo references was great. After playing this game, if you go to the file screen, you will see Kirby with a mining hat on, with an open treasure chest and a jack-in-a-box coming out of the chest, which Kirby does not enjoy seeing. And the fourth star is lit up with the four on it. Between a Great Cave Offensive and Revenge of Meta Knight, Kirby keeps and sells different treasures and uses the money to buy himself and his friends many, many lunches. Kirby is a good egg. That's the end of part three of Kirby Superstar series. The Great Cave Offensive was a really big script, so I hope you all liked the jokes and found learning about the references and the treasures interesting. This was an 11,000-word script. Holy crap. Next time will be Revenge of Meta Knight and Samurai Kirby. That episode will be about the same length as episode 2 by word count. What's going to make Revenge of Meta Knight fun is there's actual dialogue, so I'm going to have to do actual voices. It might not be the best performance, but it's going to be fun. I hope you like the voices. If you don't, nothing I can do about that. So that's it for now. If you're enjoying this series, please share us with your friends. The more people that enjoy this podcast, the happier we'll all be. We can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many other podcast platforms. I had fun, and I hope you had fun too, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. 